podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub. And start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Ho. What is your second day tripper show of the night? So all, all thank you for staying with us. As always, the Midweek Fix is brought to you by footballprizes.co.uk. They are back with another belter this week. It is a signed and framed Sadio Mane shirt, which also includes four mounted medals. So that's the Premier League, Champions League, FIFA Club Cup and Super Cup medals. It's only 7.45 to enter. There are 99 tickets available and the draw ends next Wednesday. So please do go check them out now. Joining me tonight, we have the hardest working man in podcasting, Gavin Doyle. We have the former Liverpool and Blackburn midfielder, David Thompson, and Conan Doherty from Virgin Media Sports and the Villa podcast. Gents, how are we? Good. Good. Enjoying that intro there. Enjoying that intro there, Gav. Uh, no, not really. No, I hate being spoken about at any stage or any podcast. So, and you're, that's you're why I do it. I like making. Yeah, it I know. Open. And I, I'm, I'm gonna end up just handing me notes at some stage because I'm getting fucking sick of it. But uh, no, no, it's good. I'm in good form. I'm in good form. We're towards the end of a lockdown, hopefully. So that's and golf courses might open. So that's that's a bonus. That's the main thing. And Conan, I'm sorry, mate. You're making your debut on the show after Aston Villa uh, unfortunately lost tonight, mate. Oh yeah, you, you haven't heard it. I've I've switched clubs now. Like I'm not I'm not supporting Villa. I'm I, you should be apologizing for bringing me on the show with the hardest working man in podcasting and the Premier League player, and then you're just teeing it up with and Conan Doherty as well. Like, <laughs> the the perfect perfect so, uh, segue over to Tomo there with the strategically placed picture in the background there, mate. I love it. It was, I told you before it wasn't strategic. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking well, Tomo. How's uh, how's lockdown been treating you, mate? Uh, it's, it's it's just been terrible, hasn't it? It's been exactly the same as everyone else. I think we're all fed up now, and 
Um, you know, I think Gavin's just said there we're coming to the end of it now, and 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 you can't wait. Just a little bit of normality. Um, I think we're going into mental health week as well, but uh, the impact on everyone has just been absolutely catastrophic, really. So, um, just have like you been everybody getting out else, and doing have you been getting out and doing a bit, bit of, bit of uh, exercise and whatever, keeping yourself fresh? I haven't really. I've I've been getting out and going for walks. I find that. Um, uh, any sort of jogging I do now just seems to like the next day doesn't seem worth it for me. You know, the, the knees are aching, the ankles are aching, the back's killing me. So I just go for long walks now and um, I, I find that I feel like I'm, I must be getting old now because I'm enjoying going for walks. That's, I think that's the first sign of it, mate. Red wine and walks, and I love them both now. So I think copious amounts of both. I know. Tell me about it. Um, I want to come to you first, actually, Tom. I just for a little bit of reaction because unfortunately there was some some sad news that kind of um, rippled through the the club this week, um, and that was the passing of a man who, who had a big impact on Liverpool Football Club, Ian St. John. Um, you must have spent some time with the man himself over the years. It's terribly sad news. Oh, do you, you know the, the the funny thing is, I mean, I think we're all about the same age, you know, aren't we? Um, we we must have both grew up with um, Satan Greavesy. You know, yeah. that was like you know, you get up on a Saturday morning, and Satan Greavesy was on. I think, you know, he was. It, that was before I knew the achievements he'd ever done for for Liverpool Football Club. And then to, at times when I've met the man, and he he was such a lovely, warm. Um, very energetic, just a just a really lovely man, and uh, very humble. The achievements, what he what he did in the game, you know, is and what he done for Liverpool Football Club. You know, he was the start of the revolution, and Liverpool Football Club is what it is today. It's built on the back of of, of the likes of Ian St John and what they've achieved, and what and and the amount of time and effort that they put into Liverpool Football Club. So we stand here today on the back of people like him. Yeah, that, rightly said. And, and I've seen something in the week, I think it was a video with James Milner and Virgil van Dijk. And, um, you know, they were they, they were spending some time with him, showing him around the club. And you can just see the, the energy that he had, uh, you know, and his ability to tell stories. And like you said there, you know, the club wouldn't exist without the history that, that that these type of players have kind of walked for the club. So it was fitting that the, the tributes have been pouring in for, for a man whose voice for myself, from a personal perspective, look, I'm, I'm 36. Uh, you know, I obviously don't remember him as a player, but he's kind of, he was kind of the voice of football for me growing up. You know what I mean? Was, so uh, now it's... Uh, Jamie, it's, it's, the, the thing is as well, you know, when you, he, I've seen all the video footage of him and then to finally meet him. And he was like a very, he was similar similar size to me. He must have been no bigger than five seven, five eight. But most of the goals I seen him scoring were headers. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself, I was expecting to meet someone like maybe the same size as Ron Yates. But, you know, then this little fellow was next to us and he had big, such a big personality and a real huge laugh. You know, yeah. that's what I'll remember about him. He had a real huge laugh. And, you know, coming through as a young lad to meet someone like him and, to be treated with the utmost, utmost respect and humility that he gave everyone um, and the way he went out of his way for people it was extraordinary, really. And he was a true gentleman and uh, he's definitely going to be missed. 
Yeah, dead, dead right. Now I want to I want to move on to to the football side of things. I'm going to come to you first, Gav, because it seems like with every passing game week, there's surprises being thrown up in the Premier League. And you know, two weeks ago, Liverpool seems to be you know bordering on being out of the top four race, and then all of a sudden now you're looking up at the table, um, and, and you're thinking, hold on, could they put a bit of a run together and maybe get top two, top three? So, you know, you're looking to, off the back of the results that you've seen tonight, Gav. You looking forward to Liverpool versus Chelsea, obviously tomorrow. Just how big is this game for the battle of top four and maybe maybe beyond that? It was big um, before today. It's huge now because, you know, you could have ended up with Leicester and United winning today and they kind of pull away and you're looking going, there's only one spot left here. And you're looking at Spurs, Everton, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, um, even Villa, you know, could, could come or run. There's, there's loads of sides around there that if you... The way the season is, Jamie, you put four or five wins together and you're just, you're flying up the table and the season's so mad. Like, I was looking at the table there and I was saying to myself, United have played 27 games now, 27 games, and they're averaging less than two points a game. Is that right? I think yeah, United have played 27 points. now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, only City and ourselves, are, I think, are capable of putting mad runs together and City have taken advantage and done that due to the, and the circumstances we're in has, has stopped us from doing that but then when you look at the rest of it we're not even averaging Champions League form you know when you you know you go into every season Jamie and you think 76 is your target that's top 4 38 by 2 is 76 and that's what your target but you're looking at it now where you're going I think 68 gets you into the Champions League but it's a huge game tomorrow night it really is it's a huge game tomorrow night because like Liverpool win they go 46 points and they're 5 off second you know, but I think it's just going to end. It's just a mad season. I think it's going to end up with. It's going to be like this at the very end. I think. I think Champions League places cook it down to the last day of the season, um, and I I'm, and I don't mean just one of them. I think probably two of them because teams are just so inconsistent. There's games every couple of days. There's so many factors involved that it's it's hard unless you're on top form and you've you've your squad is intact, the majority of it to put an absolute run together and. You know, it's a massive opportunity for both Chelsea and Liverpool tomorrow. And I'm hoping, it, I'm looking at this going, Liverpool against Chelsea, Fulham and Leipzig. I, you win those three and you put yourself in a fantastic position because nobody's taken second, third or fourth by the scruff of the neck here. Nobody. Colin, I'll, I'll come to you because you were quite outspoken on on a, a recent Villa podcast that you did, um, particularly around sort of Liverpool's problems. Um and it was quite refreshing to hear because I've kind of heard lots of analysis about Liverpool and they're trying to dissect it and, 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 and kind of ignore the structural issues now and the players that have ultimately been pulled out of that side. Do you think that the issues that Liverpool are having have been overblown or overplayed by those in the media? Oh, I definitely don't think they've been close to being overplayed. I don't even think they've been played enough in the media. Um, I always compared it to, and Villa have only had the experience it recently when Jack Grealish is out. Like, you know, if you drop a player into that team now suddenly, like, because Thiago obviously got the, the brunt of it because he came back from injury himself as well, which is something that we haven't really factored into. It's just Liverpool have been on a bad run of form. Thiago was introduced and people now are make, putting two and two together and, and making this up that Thiago was suddenly a bad player, basically. I always thought if you drop somebody into the Villa team, you imagine a Thiago or somebody, and Grealish is out of it. Like that's the equivalent, I think. Grealish being out is the equivalent of Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip and, <laughs> and Fabinho and Henderson are all being out for Liverpool because Grealish is that important for Villa. 
then Villa are going to play worse. It's not going to be that person's problem who is now in the team. Like they might be playing worse the fact that he's in the team, but it's not his problem. You know, they're playing worse because Grealish isn't there. And to lay the form of, of Liverpool at the at the door of Thiago, I thought was always very strange. And like you go you go through like they literally, you know, if, if we're if we're including Henderson and Fabinho as their as as, as two of their top six centre halves. And if we're assuming that that Ben Davis is ahead of Quebec, which I think we are, then like they're down to their seventh and eighth choice centre halves. Like I don't think any fan of any other club could tell you who their seventh and eighth choice centre halves are. Like that is <laughs> off the charts. Like, but they'll try really try and tell us that we can't moan about it. That's what they will try. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, every other team has injuries. Get on with it. And like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like. I'm genuinely not. Um, because it's funny that you're talking about like I'm talking about this on the Villa podcast and talking about Liverpool and then geez I realize God if I talk about Liverpool a lot of people are interested maybe I'll keep doing that <laughs> and look where you are just... now on the Liverpool podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm not even just like you know tr- trying to sort of garner likes or affect sympathy for them I just think it's it's mad I, th- I think it was mentioned, it might have been Sean that mentioned it after uh, he's won at the weekend. It was good to listen to a, a show where he said actually won again. He was a bit, a bit positive, but people had been waiting. No, it was Grizz. It was Grizz talking about his big big war speech. I was nearly jumping out of my seat listening to it. And people yeah, had been I waiting. had my shin pads and my boots on. I was going to do slide <laughs> tackles out the front. <laughs> and they were just waiting to take Liverpool down a peg or two. And like, of course, like the opportunity has come along now, but um, uh, it's it's... it's ridiculous circumstances yeah the, the defensive problems now the midfield problems because of that Jota is one that doesn't even get mentioned I don't think because mm. as much as everybody talks about Firmino and maybe his form I'd say every single person in Jurgen Klopp's position would still play Firmino because uh, what's the other option it's it's Origi right you would, you would still play Firmino mm. but like because Jota's not there it's not putting him under pressure it's not giving him a chance to freshen it up it's not giving another option in, in attack and this has been happening all season. Like I genuinely don't remember a team having such bad luck with injuries. And like, yeah, so I don't think it's been close to being overblown. Where do you sit on it all, Tomo? Because obviously you've got one foot in the Liverpool camp, uh, fan, former player. You've got one foot in the media camp. Where, where do you kind of sit on on Liverpool's problems and what do you think's obviously been the root cause? Well, you can't pinpoint the root cause, but I mean. If we if we rewind it up uh, twelve months ago, Liverpool were like the darlings of the media, you know, and, and it was only uh, we were getting all the VAR decisions, and you know, everyone was moaning saying it's a bias, it's a conspiracy for Liverpool to win the league, and then you know, you flip that on its head in twelve months down the line, and they can't wait to jump all over you and pull you to pieces, and you know, all the rumours about Klopp ready to leave, and you know, all the it's it's just trying to destabilise Liverpool, I think. If you're if you're an, uh, uh, not a Liverpool fan, another team's fan, and you want Liber- you you want to pick a time when your uh, opponents or nemesis are going to win the league after a thirty year wait, it's going to be during a, a global pandemic. Um, you know, Liverpool were on the cusp of what I would say creating a, dis- uh, a dynasty. You know, being able to win the league on the budget that they've done it. You know, and then finally be able to be financially rewarded to do that with a great business strategy. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's just turned upside down because, you know, instead of winning 250 million in, in, the, in the coffers, you're losing 250 million, which is 
basically what's happened to Liverpool Football Club. You know, they have a very stringent um, business model and, you know, not being able to to go out into the market like they, they would have liked to have done and strengthen like they, they liked it, like they would have done. It's absolutely killed them. It's absolutely killed them. Do you think, Gav, if you look at this game and, and if you look at Chelsea, um, obviously as the opponents, obviously uh, two uh, calls come in, uh, he's changed the shape, seven clean sheets in the last nine for them. Um, you know, they're a tough nut to crack. With Liverpool's kind of perceived problems, uh, you know, against teams that like to, to to sit in a low block and try and condense the space, do you think that there's a bit of a blueprint now for for to kind of beat Liverpool or at least stop them winning at Anfield? And do you think that Chelsea will kind of play into that, or do you think that they'll try and? Because I know they've been very much possession based since he's come in. I think the lowest that they've had is is kind of fifty three percent. I think that was against United. So they're going to try and keep the ball. Or do you think that he'll kind of revert to maybe some of the tactics adopted by teams that have been successful at Anfield and kind of sit back and and look to to, to stifle us? If you watch Liverpool's last three or four home games, um, you know, Bar City, everyone has come and sat in and, you know, made it really, really, really hard for us to play, stayed really tight and known the way our defence was. Like Conan says there, you know, I don't know how many, we might be up to 20 different centre-half combinations at this stage and I don't care how good. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Henderson or Fabinho is at a midfield. They're not centre-halves and you will get chances against them. And clubs have seen that and they've seen a drop in energy from Liverpool, which is understandable. You know, like drop form is, is, is okay, but when there's, there's, a, there's a core of it, probably seven, eight players there that are just being asked to play every single game. You, you can't, not, not, in the, not in the schedule that we have at the moment. Chelsea... I'm not, I don't like Tom, Tommy Tuchel. I never have, um, and I don't think I ever will. Is it one but, of those irrational dislikes, or is there? No, a, I think. A, it's, a I think. It's, I, do you know what I think it was? Do you remember? It's definitely this. Do you remember when we played <laughs> when we played Dortmund at, at Anfield in 2016? Um, yeah. The UEFA Cup, and Tuchel's in charge, and Dortmund score, and. He's jumping all over the place, you know, and he's, 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 he's nearly getting in Liverpool's bench's face and he's trying to be Jurgen Klopp. And I just, I just took one look and I went, no, nah, not for me, never. And, um, <laughs> like it's five years later. I, I don't know how many games I've even watched him manage, but every time I see him, I just, it's just, can't let it go. <laughs> it's just, I can't let it go. I can't, I just can't. And, um, I've even noticed now he's grown a little goatee and it's going grey and all. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck on me. But, um, <laughs> but to be honest, um, like, no, I just don't like it. But in fairness, um, he's into Chelsea, looks like he's stabilised a bit. He is changing things around. I think it's going to be difficult to pinpoint what Chelsea will do, even from the lineup, because they have changed from a four to a three. He's dropped players in, he's brought players back. You know, Giroud's getting a little bit more of a look in and stuff like that. I think it'll be hard, but we keep saying this: Liverpool are there to be got at, and not many teams come and have a go to get at you. They'll just take that one or two chances that they get and look to be solid. Um, 
I'm hoping to see a difference in Liverpool just with players coming back. The likes of Keita, if Jota is back, you know, just a little spark of energy because I think that's what's been missing from Liverpool. When Liverpool get a good energy about them and a bit of drive about them, they're very hard to stop and I don't care if you sit in. We we watched Liverpool, Jamie, for the last, you know, two seasons where most of the team sat in. Just sat in and did no intention of trying to attack because we Van Dijk and Gomez, and we we man we won games. So Liverpool can beat a low block, you know. I think that's a bit of a myth that goes around that we can't. I'd love to see Chelsea come and have a go. I think I think it'll be a very um very tactical game though. Klopp against Hugel, they they know each other inside out. So um, looking at Chelsea, we can get at them and they can get at us. It's not going to be a nil all. I'll put it that way. I think it'll be I think it'll be quite an open game, but. To be chances, but I think the probably the first twenty. I think you'll probably see both teams sitting off and taking a good look at each other, and hopefully, I'm, I'm just praying to God. I can't even, I can't even get it into my head the thought of that man managing the team to beat us. I really can't. <laughs> There's some comments coming in on the chat after that you need to let it go, mate. It doesn't look like it's good for your health. <laughs> no, <laughs> five uh, years on, five years on. I can't. And you know what? He's, he hasn't even been in the country a month, and and it's just. <laughs> It's just now, and like he, he was, he commanded, he commanded telly there earlier. Um, I think he was, it was obviously a press conference. I just turned it off. I don't know. I don't care what he has to say. I can't look at his head. I just can't. It's such a strange thing to be so passionate about. Like, it's yeah, just, I have no opinion on Thomas Tuchel myself. Like, it's well, so I, weird. It's not. It's just. It's. It's. He. He stuck in my head that night. You know. You know when Liverpool won. <laughs> And you kind of, it was, it was an amazing game. It was an amazing finish. The Lovren header at the end. It was brilliant. And like, I always remember myself just seeing him on the t- telly and roaring at the TV. Like, you know, you know, like yeah, yeah. literally roaring at Tommy Tuchel from like 150 miles away, whatever it is. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just haven't let it go. He's gone off and managed other sides. I don't watch him. But then he showed up. And the minute he showed up, I was like, oh, here we go again. This is not good for it me. It looks so. a bit cheesy to me. I mean, I, 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 I'm just, um, I was intrigued when uh, obviously Chelsea brought him in, um, but he looks a bit cheesy to me. And he sort of reiterated that when he did that to um, Hudson Odoi the other day. I thought that was a cheap shot at a young kid. Um, I don't think he'd have done that with an experienced pro. I think he took a cheap shot at a young kid to, to sort of establish a bit of authority. And uh, it was interesting on Monday Night Football where Cara was saying he, he, he'd done the most sprints out of any forward player since he'd come on. And he was, he was getting his attitude questioned. I thought that was um, uh, funny enough. I've got him on LFC TV, and who's just popped up there is Thomas Tuchel, <laughs> the main man himself. Yeah. I just I just cancelled that subscription. To be honest, after that, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you. I, I thought it was so, it's such a cheap and easy shot just to have a go at a young kid. You know, you brought him on. It was almost like it was pre-planned. You know, I was going to say Thomas because that... a bit of authority. Because I, I had that on the agenda because I wanted to get maybe a, a player's perspective, you know, something like that. It kind of feels like he's tried to draw a line in the sand or give it the, the, the big big I am um, and kind of use him as a bit of a scapegoat. Have you ever experienced something similar as a player where a manager has, has basically, you know, tried to put his balls on the table and, and make him look like the big big man? Or maybe the, the opposite to that where... You know they've they, they've uh, put their arm around you when you were expecting a bollock, and for example, and and, and they surprised you. Um, it, there's nothing that spring. There's nothing that um, springs to mind there, Jamie. I know you you put that in the uh, in the topics, but thanks for reading I, the agenda, mate. I appreciate yeah, so, yeah. that. Doesn't always happen. The, <laughs> the uh, yeah. Sorry, what was going to say then? Um, yeah. No, 
I, I, sorry, you just you I lost my train of thought there. What you what I was going to say. Um, go, go to someone else and come back to me in a minute. Yeah, you think think of an example there because I was going to say, Conan. Like if, if you look at that, I was looking at that as an outsider looking in, and to be honest, I was okay with it when when he kind of he, he reefed him off. If he had legitimate reasons for it, um, and I liked the way that he kind of fronted up to the media and he said, you know, he will be back in for the next game, but I had to teach him a lesson today, kind of thing. So he wasn't hiding, and in a, in a day and age where managers seem sometimes afraid to make big decisions with big players. You know, it does seem like dressing James, rooms are sensitive places. Doesn't that contradict himself? You know, he's took him off questioning his attitude, but said he'll play him in the next game. Whether, whether it was a tactical thing, whether it was a tactical thing, I don't know. And he wanted to make the he wanted to make that point. So you said there that Cara maybe was talking about him making sprints, but I think he was talking about the counter press. There was opportunities that he he passed up, um, and maybe maybe he just wanted to make a point. I, I mean, I, I think from my perspective, I thought it was in, it, it was refreshing to see a manager not afraid to be bold because it just seems maybe to the, in today to, today's game. People are, are are scared of upsetting the the dressing room. You know, there's big. I think I remember Mourinho doing that once at, um, at Chelsea when he first came in. You know, I think it was some, I, I, and I'm sure it was Joe Cole he done it to. So it's almost yeah, like he's kind of established was, that, a bit of authority. That was that was actually. Um, I I think the Joe Cole stuff was like Joe Cole was in great form. And somebody asked Mourinho, was he in great form? And, and, and the following weekend, he, he takes him off and makes a point of taking him off. And people thought Mourinho was being a bit petty at the time. Um, but, but like, we've seen, we've seen this loads of times from Pep. Pep does this on the pitch all the time. You know, like where, where he'll, he'll actually stand a player on the pitch with a sky camera four feet from him and he'll go through like literally the player's whole game. You know, in fairness to two, he's probably looking going, listen. He didn't rate Lampard. Lampard was probably getting walked all over by these players and he's coming in and going, listen, that ends and it ends now and I don't want to see it creeping in from the start. I don't know what Frank Lampard was like with them players, but he's a very inexperienced manager. Great, great player, but an inexperienced manager when it comes to managing a squad of players. And maybe Tuchel is just in his own mind, maybe on no evidence, maybe he's just going, I need to be firm here. You know, but he has he has a history. Like I think PSG, he did get players in line, but by the end, somebody says in the chat there as well. By the end, the PSG players just didn't want to know, um, because he just went on and on and on to the point where he just went, "Oh, go away with it. I'm not listening to you." You anymore. just you just reminded me on what I, on the point I was going to make before that when uh, when I forgot is um, I think if any manager that, that that I played for did something like that, you know, it's uh, unless they've got real authority or a real, you know. Um, if they're being totally genuine, like as soon as if if soon as did it, I'd say yeah, you're being genuine. You know, you've you've been there, you've done it. You wore the t-shirts as a player, as a manager, yeah, you know. But if you're just trying to do it just to prove a point, it just looks a bit cheap. It looks a bit cheesy, and you know the players will see right through you. They'll think he's not got my back, and if you don't think the manager's got your back, you're going to down tools. You see right through him, and it's not going to be long before you're on your way. I'd never see Klopp do something like that just for the sake of it. He's a very genuine leader. That, to me, doesn't demonstrate leadership qualities. It's funny when you said that, Tom, and I'll come to you, Conan, right? The perfect example of poor leadership and one for the cameras was uh, Phil Brown years ago. Do you ever remember with uh, oh, the whole city? <laughs> the whole city. That was Jimmy Bullard, wasn't it? Jimmy Bullard. Jimmy <laughs> Bullard. Where, where, where do you sit on, on Tommy Tuchel? Do you, have you been impressed with the job that he started to do? Because obviously, you know, the, it's kind of been a bit of a poison chalice, I think, Chelsea over the years. There's a lot of big characters, big egos in the dressing room. It can't be easy for him to manage. I like that he's come in and, and 
straight away fronted up and said, like, if I don't win the league, I'm out of here. Like, he's one of the first people that's come in knowing the story, knowing what's going to happen if he doesn't have success. So he's not coming in trying to play for an extra five years or going to a long-term project. He knows if he doesn't get it right straight away, then Roman Abramovich will, will get restless and, and get rid of him. And I saw one of the, the comments there that came in, and, and they're bang on. Like, And I think it's sort of what you're saying as well, David. I think he did pick on Callum Hudson-Odoi because he's a young player. He's he's come through. He can use him as a almost you know, rod to beat everybody else with. It's almost, almost a morning for everybody else. He's almost a little bit disposable, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. And he's not going to... He's not going to act up either, like too much, because he's still a young lad trying to break through and trying to get like this manager's given him a chance. So it's, I don't think he would have done it for a bigger star, but in a way, then I almost like that because you know, if we were all managers and we thought that we would get an effect out of that, then we might do it. You know, and and the fact that he's he's done it very early on in his career, like that's that's the only window he probably could do. It. Like Lampard tried to start criticizing the players later on after after a year and a half of not doing that well then you're like oh hang on a second mate you're not doing that well yourself it starts turning kind of felt like he was throwing people under the bus and that's not a place you want to be and also he did that in a a much more bitchy way like in a way i almost respect he got a a little bit petulant didn't he yeah Mm -hmm. like he he was coming out and he was basically lying he was he was trying to sort of present this front to the media where he said you know i'll take the blame on the outside but in the same interview, while he's talking to the media, he's saying, but, you know, the players are to blame. So it's like, you know, I'll take the blame, but don't tell anybody it's really the players. <laughs> you know, and in a way, I almost like Tuchel for just saying, yeah, that, that shit wasn't good enough. If he does that again, he won't play. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. you know what? At least everybody knows where he stands and he's not trying to get away with it like Lampard was. Exactly. Now, Gav, I, I, I want to come to you. For, I, I felt a bit sorry for Frank at the end there. He's like, you know, the start of the season after the signings they made, you know, they uh, they were one of my dark horses. I thought these have got real potential to win the league. You know, they swapped the keeper, they got the centre half, um, and the front the front uh, players they signed. You know, you were expecting big things. I thought these are going to be a real threat, and uh, you know, to see them languishing where they were was very disappointing. It was almost like Frank had too many options and just mm. didn't know yeah. what to settle on. I didn't know whether it was, it looked to me like they weren't players he wanted to sign. Do you, do you know what I mean? It, like he didn't know how to get the best out of them. And I always think a telltale sign of a good coach, good manager, whatever you want to call it, is somebody that's able to progress players, develop players, improve players. And all of those came in with high, you know, they weren't even, they weren't even potential. Uh, yeah. Kai Havards, for example, was one of the most sought after midfielders, attacking midfielders in, in European football. He and then he, he knows, he looks lost. Timo Werner was exactly the same, completely regressed doesn't look like he, he can trap a ball at the moment and that's a big telling sign for me see for I, me I, that, that, that shows you the, the, the German league is, is 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 so weak I don't think it's as good as, as what uh, everybody thinks it is I think you've got Bayern Munich and then anyone else below that you know I think it's a weak league you know to look as well as them two players did in that league and then to come to the Premier League and struggle so badly I mean, yeah, there's, there's, it always takes time to, to get it. Nobody realises how fast and furious the Premier League is, but, I mean, bloody hell. I, That's I, ridiculous. I don't know if I felt sorry for him because, like, 
he does. People will argue, did he were they his signings and stuff? I, I I think his appointment was a PR exercise. I'll always I'll, I'll always remain that way because they have a transfer ban and and he's he's the one that will you know garner support from 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 the fan base and mm. um, with, with Lampard coming back. But then you know they make a big deal of the season before of how they're bringing in Abraham and Mount and and Billy Gilmore and it's all youth and he's given it a chance and stuff and. There's an argument to say he should have kept at that and probably brought one or two sure. in, but but he but he's given this massive amount of money, and he he never for me watching Chelsea whenever I did I was kind of going, can we not just put them in their real positions and have a go from there? Like if you like the one that stands out to me and it always will is Liverpool go to Stamford Bridge at the start of the season, all right, and Liverpool tip the ball off and Timo Werner is Le- Chelsea's forward on the day, right, and he runs. 20 yards back towards his own goal when the ball is tipped off and Chelsea sit in this pattern where they just want to sit off Liverpool and sit off Liverpool and I'm kind of going all these players could you not like I couldn't understand why he couldn't go and you know with um, Kante and, and a Jorginho or a Kovacic and then just put Havertz in front of Rome get a die on, on one side get Werner up front get somebody down the left and just play to your strengths which is the forward players they signed and it just seemed to me like they were always playing within themselves or our position and and that comes down to him at the end of the day he was always going to lose his job anyway he was always you know, going to lose it do you know do you know what's funny about um you know you talk about that day Werner dropping off and to play against liverpool i think is one of the that's one of the worst things you could ever do i, I watched liverpool play this style for four years and i think if you want to counter liverpool surely and Pep Guardiola's tactics, by the way, when, when he came to Anfield not long ago, was absolutely perfect. He made they they, they put the four uh, they put the four attacking players on the four um, defensive players. Then they pushed uh, the, the centre midfielder right up. I think it was for for, for being, uh, Fernandino pushed him right up onto um, the centre midfielder, and they just stopped him playing out. And and that they forced. Allison to start panicking and kicking mm. balls left, right, and centre because they knew he didn't want to. But I'm just yeah. surprised it's taken a team that long to figure out how to play Liverpool. Surely you want that goalkeeper kicking the ball up to Sadio Mane, up to Salah, up to um, Firmino, and challenging, put the ball in the air. It's taken yeah. four years for teams to work that out against Absolutely, the but football. I think I think I think a massive part of that is Van Dijk. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Because Van Dijk is so cool and that, that he'll just, and, and managers have said it, he gets the ball, he just takes it off his feet and he just hits 60 yards. He hits 60 yards by angles. And, 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 yeah, and, and they're beyond that press. I think it was Arteta, wasn't it, Gavi? He was like, you can have the best, yeah. the best plan in the world yeah. and then Van Dijk basically is pinging balls to players. Yeah, he's breaking your press with 60-yard diagonals that are just... Yeah, on, he, on he, yeah but if he can't get on the ball, if you've pushed, if you're playing three up front and then you push one of the wingers on the, the, the fullback and then you push mm. your centre midfielder up on the holding midfielder, mm. it's a total block. You go man for man. You're forcing Liverpool then to have to play long balls, put the ball in the air. As soon as the ball's in the air, it's a 50-50 ball. You've got a chance of winning it back. You push your defenders in. Rather than dropping deep, playing this like 
come and park in the bus. You've got more chance of going at it against Liverpool than you have parking the bus. Yeah, it was it was yeah. nearly like right. Liverpool had the the blueprint against City for a while. Um, obviously, this season aside, you know they always seem to do well against City because they would just press from the front like rabid yeah. dogs, and City couldn't get out. And Liverpool always seemed to have their card marked over a couple of years. Now, I want to sort of sidestep a little bit, particularly for this game tomorrow. Obviously, the much um, uh, talked about centre back issues. Whether uh, you know Fabinho is going to step back in, whether that's going to be at centre back whether that's um, uh, going to be in centre midfield. Colin, if you're looking at this Liverpool team now, uh, you know, they've obviously got a, a win under their belt. You know, what do you think happens in this game tomorrow? Do you think that, that Jurgen Klopp looks to shuffle his pack now and, and brings Fabinho back in? Um, and if, you know, if, if it was you in charge, would you be bringing him back into centre-back or would you be bringing him back into centre midfield? I think it would be bringing him back into centre-back just out of necessity. I know it's not ideal. I know he's... He's not a centre back, but I remember when <laughs> when Van Dyke got injured. So this is when it seemed like that was a big problem at the time. But one of my mates, my best mate, who's like a Liverpool fan, and he was texting me about Van Dyke being injured, and I was like, "Oh, you know, poor you! You know, you can only play Fabinho centre back. Do you know, like that? That's the that's the big problem that you have. Like, get over it." And then obviously, I didn't know that you were going to get nineteen other injuries along the way. But <laughs> but I remember thinking that at the time, like you know, it is mad that sometimes I watch Fabinho and think. Is he one of the best centre halves in the league as well? When he wants to, yeah, he, wants to yeah. no, he, 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 he's absolutely quality when he's gone back there. But it just shows you what type of player he is. He's unbelievable to be able yeah. to well, adapt I, and understand the game like that. It's it's strange because I kind of look at it though, and I agree with you. I, I think I tweeted about it pretty much after every game. I was like, you know, it's mad that we've lost Van Dijk and we've now found the second best centre back in the league. <laughs> but at the but at the same time, I'm kind of looking at it now and. I feel like we lose a little bit of control in centre midfield. So whether that is like it's fine when Jordan Henderson's in there. Do you know what I mean? He's he's, he's not Fabinho in the six, but he's an exceptional footballer. Uh, you know, but without Henderson, without Fabinho, now that we've got some centre backs, Tomo, do you not just think it's time that we kind of say, right, play centre backs at centre back, play centre midfield as the centre midfield, and and try and get a bit more foundation and dominance in the middle. And he will give that protection to the to the suit two centre backs who are relative unknowns. All yeah, experience, I, 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 I yeah, I would definitely play for. Uh, sometimes the sneeze must though, isn't it? You know, he's he, he's done that well in certain games. He's done that well. I'm thinking to myself, bloody hell, he is. He he, he could play centre half, but he is one of the best mid defensive midfielders I've ever seen. You know, he goes so unnoticed in the game doing what he does and allowing, you know, the likes of Wijnaldum, the likes of Henderson to be that energy in and around them. The thing is, you know, it's uh, we've signed Thiago to play with with, with Fabinho in centre midfielder. This is this is what's, you know, where, where Thiago is getting a lot of criticism. Um, you know, he just needs that, um, that, that, that partnership around him and, and to be given that opportunity. But... Um, the injury nightmare that Liverpool have had this season has been absolutely ridiculous. It's been ridiculous. And, um, you know, going into tomorrow, three points is absolutely necessary. If we're thinking about getting top four, it's such an important game. Absolutely. Now, Gav, I, I want to come to you because we've uh, we've gone back and forth on this in, in the WhatsApp group many a time. Where, where do you kind of sit before we move on to, to the next topic, where do you sit on the centre-back issue? What would you be doing in tomorrow's game? <clears throat> um, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because like 
Kabak has come in and, and you know, I know you've 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 spotted stuff from about his body position and how he attacks the ball and stuff like that, but you know, I think you have to give players that come in at twenty years of age into a different country, a different way of playing, you know, um a little time to, to adjust. And he's only gonna adjust by playing games. But um I think Fabinho if he comes back in goes in at centre half. I genuinely do. And I think I think the reason for that is because Wijnaldum, Thiago, um, Jones, I thought looked very good against Sheffield United. Now, I know it was Sheffield United. I know Sheffield United sat in for a lot of the game, but, you know, Jones was getting in the box. Wijnaldum was getting shots off. There was there was a, a little bit of a difference there. There was a, a bit of a pep to their step, I suppose. If it was me, I'd put him into midfield. I, I've, I've got to the stage now where, um, like Tomo said, Get players in the positions. I've just said it about Chelsea, haven't I? And Frank Lampard. Get players in the positions. And for, if, it, as I said, if it was me, I'd, I'd put, I'd put Fabinho into midfield and I'd take one of the midfielders out. I'm not really bothered which one it is because he can go in at the six and you can move Ronaldo forward. You can come in at the six and you can, you know, take Ronaldo out. You can do whatever you want. Um, Fabinho gives you that option. And the more, for me, you play two centre backs as centre back. They need to get an understanding going. I, I've no problem going Phillips and, and Quebec. I really don't. Because if you have Fabinho there, he's a protection as well. You know yeah. what I mean? He is, he's a natural number six. That's a protection. And he's a new body in midfield that'll give us that bit of energy because, like, we don't know what Ronaldo will turn up tomorrow. I thought he was brilliant the other night, but he's played so much football, Jamie. So much football. Yeah, you know, and then you have Thiago that's been out for three months and he comes back. And listen, he's a world class footballer, but he's, he's, He's been thrown in at the deep end where, listen, you're, listen, you're going to have to play every three days, mate, and you're going to have to play the majority of every game. You know the kind of way? So, and, and then you've Curtis Jones, who's progressing very, very well, but Curtis Jones will have a, a bad game in him because he's so young and he's so inexperienced in what we do. You know, he's learning all the time, don't get me wrong, but you have to expect at some stage that Jones is going to throw in a, a, a terrible game or, you know, a five out of 10 or a six out of 10 when you're expecting a bit more, especially in the position we're in. So for me, I'd go Fabinho back in midfield, but I think if he's back, I think he comes in instead of Nat Phillips. It's and it's a tough one for Nat Phillips because he's you, you can't really ask for much more than than what he's no, given us. To be honest, no. I think the big big thing for me is if you get Fabinho back into midfield, it allows. See, I'm the world's biggest Thiago fan, right? So I don't want to see Thiago doing doggies across a pitch trying to close gap big gaps in midfield. I want Fabinho sat there sweeping up everything. Fabinho, the, one of his most underrated qualities is his ability to step out and press. He's really he's really aggressive in how he presses and he dominates and wins the ball high. And what that allows Thiago to do is just pick up little smart pockets where he can get on the ball and influence. And then you've got a Ginny Wijnaldum um, uh, on, on the other side who tactically Technically, you're not going to get a more complete midfielder. So mm. for me, I'd be I'd be looking to to get him back in. Now I want to I want to move on to a slightly different topic. And Conan, I want to come to you on this one. And this is very much around the effect of no crowds. And you'll obviously be able to talk about this with your Aston Villa hat on. You know, you look at the way that your team have been, and I have to say this. I'm not just saying it because you're on the podcast. I actually really enjoy watching Aston Villa play. Uh, apologies, I know tonight didn't go so well, but over the course of this season, I've really enjoyed watching them play. I think they play with a freedom. Jack Grealish is probably not my favourite non-Liverpool player, if, if that makes sense. But I've seen Villa play in a way away from home. It's They're so free. They're so brave. Do you think that that is in part down to the fact that we're playing in front of empty stadiums and the fact that they can just go out and express themselves with no kind of fear of 
failure in a way. It's really interesting because when Villa were flying there, like until about six, seven games, you would sort of stuttered a little bit. They're still doing all right, but um, we were amazed at how many just players they had willing to take risks. And that's yeah. not common for Aston Villa, especially over the last few years. And I always thought like Villa Park is the best place and the worst place in the world at the same time. As soon as it's not going well, the crowd's on top. And a lot of the players, especially in the last decade, have crumbled with that. And genuinely, I thought the no crowds, yeah, was suiting Villa. And it was suiting their state of play as well, because Villa, Villa can counter-attack well, but they're they actually like to slow the game down to their own pace because they have Grealish, so they want to sort of use him and they want to have players around him. So, and their way of defending as well to try and keep the ball a little bit so they're not under constant pressure like they were last year. Once the stretch, Villa are mm. in trouble like it was, like Leeds spanked them at the start of the year just because Villa were naive and stretched the game. Southampton spanked them at the start of the year. But Villa slowed the game down and I don't think you do that as effectively when you've got 40,000 people there, Villa Park, urging you on to do something. And you're right, like, yeah, but I think a lot a lot of how they wanted to approach games was control. And I I I can't I can't but help but think that would be completely different when there's a when there's a lot a lot of people in the stadium. Do you know what I mean? It, I think with like Liverpool then, I know what you might be thinking they're they're way better with a crowd and they need that pressure and they need they need that energy on top of everything else with a team like Villa. So like this is it's hard to sort of quantify because I think that <laughs> I think it suits Villa. I think it doesn't suit Liverpool. But then how many teams is like that throughout the whole league? Where do you sit on this, Tomo? Obviously, with a with your players' hat on. Uh, obviously, you've you've experienced the extra 15 percent that a packed house will give you. What have you? Where do you kind of sit on uh, on the, the the no crowd and the the impact it's having on? Because look, let's be honest, there's been some mad results that have been thrown up this year. Absolutely, yeah. I think you know if I'm looking at it from a, a player's point of view, I think most of the games they just look like friendlies, and some of them are actually played at friendly play, uh, friendly pace and. Um, you know, I'm watching it. I know what's coming next. I know what moves coming next. I know where he's going to move and what. You know, it's it's almost like watching a FIFA game. Yeah, it's. Uh, I find it quite boring to watch the game, and uh, you know, it's uh, really strange. You know, some of the games I've been watching here, and I've turned them off after an hour. Yeah. That's how bored. And they, I don't know. Football without the crowd is not football for me. Most of the teams, most of the teams in, in this division, you know, you get spared on. But there is, you, you do have the occasional players. I mean, uh, Anti Martial was a, was a prime example of that. When the crowd stopped coming in, you know, you've seen the best of Martial for about 10 or 15 games. It was almost like a relief and a pressure had been lifted off him. He mm. scored a goal after goal after goal. I think, you know, maybe now it's caught up with him a little bit. But, you know, some players react, re- react and... Some some players are scared to make a mistake in front of the crowd, but other players, you know, uh, you, you're seeing them coming out of the shell. But it'll be interesting when they let the, the the crowds back in. Liverpool Football Club is a team that is spared on by the crowds. You get an extra 10, 15 percent. Feed off sure. that emotion, don't they? It's particularly sure. cop, yeah. Especially attacking cop end, you know, with, with, with a packed house there, it's unreal. I mean, the hairs stand on the back of your neck when you hear them singing. You never walk alone. That's that's enough in itself. Mm. And because you see it, don't you? Uh, you know, you, you have players during the week that, uh, 
you know, they're, they're training ground players. They, they're brilliant on the training pitch, and then you get them out on a match day, and they, and they crumble. The Monday to Friday see, players. The Monday, the Monday to Friday players. I mean, how how much of a factor is it made to build up? You know what I mean? Uh, like I, I played in front of three thousand people, and when uh, when we played Chester City, and it made a big, a bloody big difference. So that God knows how much it makes when it's thirty five, forty thousand. You know, being able to me- mentally. It refocuses. Oh no! Listen, I'll tell you now, Jamie. It really refocuses your mind when you're stepping out there and there's forty, forty-five thousand in a stadium. You know, it's uh, the last thing you want to do is make a mistake. So you're 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 always on high alert. You're always trying to make the right decision. Um, you know, there is times in a game where you take that risk and it comes off, and it'll give you the confidence to go and do something again or try things. Um, but it really does refocus your mind. Um, the last thing you want to do, you, and you can you, listen. You can feel that weight of pressure as well from the crowd. You know, if you give a ball away, it's like, oh my god, oh god, it's like gut wrenching. Yeah, I remember one uh, one game we were playing. My mum had come to watch, and uh, I think there was, it was about two and a half thousand people there, and then. Uh, the whole of the stand started singing that I was a paedophile, and I could see me. I could see <laughs> my mum's face. My mum's face was like, of all the people in the crowd, I spotted my mum, and she was really offended. And for about for about two minutes there, I was like, oh, I was worried about my mum. Completely forgot about the game. So God knows how you deal with it when it's thirty thousand people. <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to. The one thing I want to touch on, uh, just on Villa before we we move on, and because I, I want to touch on City a little bit, um, and I want to talk about my favourite player, which is Jack Grealish, and I want to come to you, Gav, and I know Conan, you're you're sat there ready to go, right? So so I'm, I'm going to come to you in a sec. I want to I want to get Gav's opinion on just how how impressed have you been with Jack Grealish, and where do you think his ceiling is? Um. Very impressed and surprised, a little bit surprised. And look, that's not down to his ability. I think it was, it was more off the field stuff that was going on that might hinder him and people mightn't take a chance on him. But my God, when you watch him play, he's, um, he's majestic to watch at times, you know. It, he's one of those that floats by people. You know, it's not direct, it's not powerful. You know, like you, you would see like a Ronaldo in his pump, he just powers past people and, you know... um but he's majestic in what he does. He's, he floats by people. And, and I love that about him. His eye for a pass is brilliant. Um, and I think it's it, it's underplayed a little bit. You know, the people see his, that bit of trickery he has, the, the way he man, manoeuvres his body, manipulates the ball. But some of the passes he's put, he's played this season have been nothing short of exceptional. Um, I, I can't remember what game I watched Philly. It might have been Southampton at home. And... Watkins misses three or four good chances. They mightn't have been in Southampton. But Grealish was feeding them all day long. It was unbelievable to watch. He's I don't know what a ceiling is, Jamie. What age is he? Twenty is he twenty seven? Twenty five, yeah. Oh, is he only twenty five? Okay. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. So, yes, yeah, ceiling is. It does a big move and does a big move and there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I don't he was know. offensive Liverpool a couple of times, you know. For yeah, yeah. And. and and, and and you know what? I'd love to see him in the Liverpool side. I, I really would. 
I'd love to see him in, in, a, in a midfield. You know, like, do you remember the way we used to try to play Coutinho in that midfield tree? Mm. Where you, you get it to him, but he worked hard and, you know, he was good on the ball. He didn't lose it, but he had that spark about him and he had that mm. bit of creativity. Um, I'd love to see him at Liverpool. I don't know if he'll end up there. I think he has United written all over him, to be perfectly honest yeah. with you. Um, I think he's a sort of player United would, would, would break the bank for, especially if they don't go back in for Sancho. Um, but he's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. There's no doubt about that. He's just natural. You can see by him, he's just naturally talented. He's not even trying when he's doing half the stuff he's doing. And do you know what? It would have been easy for him to leave Villa last summer because Villa come up and they're not great. They spend a lot of money. They're not great. Um, they managed to survive. And it could have been easy for Grealish to say, look, I got you back up. I've, you know, I've kept you up, but I have to move now. I'm 24 years of age. I probably have two big contracts left in me and I want to go and try something different, whether that's in England or abroad or wherever it might be. They gave him the, the, the bumper pay deal though, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They gave him a massive deal. Now, I don't know if there's something in that, that can get, he can get out if he wants for a certain amount, but f- fair play to me. No, he's stuck do, with do it. Do you know when he went up in my estimation, right? I'd watch. I, I'd watched him a few times in the championship the years before and I always thought he was great on the ball. There's certain players, right, that do things with a ball that don't look magical, but they consistently do it. And then you think, yeah. well, why can't nobody, nobody's tackling this guy? Why has he always got time? Him? Why has he always got time? Why has he always got space? And then all of a sudden you start putting it together. You know, it's it's he is the complete package. He's a lovely, lovely footballer. Regardless whether he tracks back or whether he works hard, like like your Henderson or your Wijnaldum, mm. then I think he does know, work hard, though, Tamo. I think he does. When I, I watch him, I'd I say think he does. does. Well, I wouldn't say that he, he, it's not that he doesn't work hard. I, I'd say he covers a lot of ground. I'd say, you know, defensively, he can be a bit of a liability. And it was one of the championship games. In fact, it was the championship playoff when he let. Um, he was great in the game, but he let Tom Tom uh, Tom Kearney run off his shoulder after a little one-two, and it cost him the, the playoff final. It cost him yeah. a place in the Premier League. Yeah. But when he went up, in my estimation, was the game against Birmingham when he got the fan run on the pitch, decked him, and he gets up off the deck and then goes and scores the winning goal. Yeah. I thought to myself, do you know what? That is absolutely class. It's absolutely yeah. priceless. And the lad plays with a smile on his face. Day in, day out. He just looks like he loves football and he looks like he loves having a laugh with the lads. Colin, he must be a hero. He must be an absolute hero. He's living every Villa fan's dream, isn't he, at this stage? Just how good is he? Like, I, I think he's sensational. I, I watched him in 2015 in the semi-final of the FA Cup when one of the yeah. few good days that Villa had over Liverpool. <coughs> and yeah. uh, <laughs> Grealish lit the place up. He was 19 years of age. He was playing... He was playing sort of off the two strikers. You know, we had been taking like Bonnehor and you had Grealish sort of in that number 10. Like Bonnehor didn't play that day, but that that was his position, just playing that number 10 at the tip of the diamond. And um, brilliant. Like ever since then, I've just been this massive fan of him. I remember probably probably shows like the fact that he's my favorite player of all time easily. Probably wow, shows that he's, he's you hold him in that higher regard, yeah? Yeah. Like, and I like I was. Gareth Barry's biggest fan, for example, like you know, total, <laughs> total pro, just an, another great club man. But um, just like it's just so much fun watching Grealish, especially the last it two is. years, where it's like I'm enjoying every match now because I know you're always going to have one of the two best players on the pitch, probably. It's, know, like, every it's, like, it's like the Premier League suits him. It, the, the improvement in his game in the last two years is just it's gone on to a next level. He has he has gone to the next level, yeah, definitely. But like, it's funny you mentioned the the playoff final that was against Fulham, that one they lost, and yeah. and Gav talking about it is 
chances to move on. Like that's been two seasons in a row. I remember Spurs didn't buy him yeah, after that season. Yeah. Like they, were, they were another another year in the championship, so it was like this guy needs to go now. Like you know, he didn't make it up. He has to go. Spurs put on twenty million. I think it was twenty million plus Josh and Oma, or maybe seventeen million plus Josh and Oma. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember people at the time thinking. God, Daniel Levy, what a shrewd operator he is. Like, you know, he's tight with his money, but he gets what he wants. He didn't get what he wants. And like, what what a terrible investment that was now, because he would have sure. he would have a 120 million pound asset sitting on his team. He would probably be in the like Champions League in the run for the league. He might still have Pochettino, but he wouldn't. It's, be it's almost as if like they thought that there was there was a little bit of a risk attached to him. I was United was sniffing at one stage. Liverpool, he was offered to Liverpool twice. I know he has. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the thing with him, and I'll go back to it, like, you know, um, maybe that is, is he a bit of a risk. You know, you've seen the off-field stuff, and, and maybe it's just a case of, you know, from that area, you know, if he if he moved, would he adapt? You know, because we've seen it with um, Zaha, Zaha at Palace, you know, when he goes to United and it just doesn't work for him, and he goes back to Palace and, and he's he's the best player by a mile, and and his form, you know, is is a lot better than, than ever seen at United, and, and the talk was that it just didn't happen for him in Manchester, and maybe that was the risk, you know, he's, he's, he's a Birmingham lad, you know, he's, he's Villa true and true, if he moved, how would he get on? But I don't think there's any risk in him now, you know, especially at that, especially... He's the right age now to yeah, get... Yeah, I think he's the right age, but not only that... Stuff off the field has happened to him, and they all learn from it. They have to, you know. They have so many people around them at the club to help them learn from it as well. And I think that's probably done him good. And um, not at the time it didn't, but now it does. That he has it. He has that in his, you know, he has that in his back pocket. For if any other situation was up, he knows. Look, this happened before. You don't fucking do this. Um, Why did Southgate take so long to get him into the into the into the uh, squad and into the team? Genuinely, I thought that was a sackable offense. Like, you know, he wasn't. I'd, ag- I'd agree. It's been about agree. 10 before that. But. <laughs> it's actually interesting we're talking about him because yesterday was like the two year anniversary of when he first wore the armband. So Grealish was out injured for a few months with Villa. Villa were languishing in 14th in the championship. And he came back. This was his first game back, took the armband for the first time, scored a fucking volley from a corner set up a run of 10 wins in a row with Villa's last 12 games of the season to get them in the fifth in the championship. They won the playoffs. They kept them up. Now they're, they're talking about Europe. Like, and that's, that's all because of Grealish. Like he's missed three games. Now he played 48 matches in a row for Villa and now he's missed three and they've lost two of them. Just yeah, completely yeah. different outfit. And I saw Paul schools talking about him. Uh, what was it? He said like, yeah, he, need, he needs to go to a big club. And then I can start thinking about him as a top three player. Because it's all well and good doing that stuff, but he's doing. I, that I stuff. thought he was a banker to go for to to United. Um, start the start of this season. Yeah, but he would light it up like he he's doing this stuff with worse players around him. Like he's, yeah. I, I put out a clip one time where he he nutmegged somebody and played this sort of pass around the corner, but it's to Neil Taylor, and Neil Taylor doesn't even know where the ball is, and he's looking around <laughs> looking for it. And like this is this is what Grealish has been dealing with. Like you know, <laughs> put him into the England team and let him play with. With Rashford and Henderson, and you know, we talked about Henderson about learning off him and his attitude. So that's actually interesting that Gav picked up with that off the field stuff. You know, maybe being surrounded that would be the one good thing being surrounded by those pros and and serial winners might help him. But apart from yeah, that, yeah. ball wise, I, I don't think I don't think there's any limits on him. I don't think there's any problem with expectation on him either because, like, if he was to go to Liverpool or United, right, or City, you know, or or, or any of the any of the 
those perceived big six clubs. There's, there's huge expectancy. We know from Liverpool, we're expected to win every game. You know, the fan base demands you win every game. And I don't think there'd be a problem with him there because he, he literally has the expectancy. Like, you listen to Conan there. He, he has the expectancy of Aston Villa on his shoulders and has done for probably three, four years now on his own. You know, so going to a big club, I don't think it'd be, it'd be an issue for him. I don't think he's a risk to anyone, but somebody made the point there. Who's giving Villa the money they want in a pandemic? Um, and, and that's a fair point, but you know, if they get if he gets to, if if they get into Europe, surely Jack Grealish stays and says, "Look, I captained Aston Villa in Europe as well. It's another year to get out of him as well." You know, so it's it's one to, it's one to watch. But I I think I think he'll end up going for big big money. Just a quick one, Conan. Would would the Villa fans kind of be? Uh, I don't want to say. Um okay with it but would they understand at the end of this season obviously you want to try and keep your best players and as you said he's, he's your favourite would it would it kind of be an understanding amongst Villa fans that you know if he does get a move to a massive club playing consistent Champions League football it's kind of with with your blessing if you will yeah, like I would sort of resign to him going in the summer there like I, I, don't, I don't want any part of this conversation by the way I don't want any yeah. headlines <laughs> season, but yeah like I, I would be very disappointed if he ended up at say Chelsea or Spurs you know I, I think I think it can do better than that. like you know I know say I remember saying to my brother on the podcast like because United and Liverpool obviously are two pillars of English football so in my head even if they weren't doing as well it's like you know you still go there it's a bigger move but the fact that Solskjaer is managing United it's like <laughs> how would that be a step up for Grealish going to work on their Solskjaer like what a like what a regression that would be almost like a, <laughs> if, if Grealish say went to Real Madrid, even United, even Liverpool, then it would be like, okay, fair enough, he's done a lot for us. But to be honest, like the owners are filthy rich as well. They're obviously rejecting bids left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Grealish doesn't want to like a couple of times now he's had bids put in for him, and obviously he's not pushing for it his end. He might want to go, but and they're obviously paying him a lot of money. So it would take someone special to see him go. And yeah, so in my head now it would be a big, big club, a big, big move and yeah, I couldn't begrudge him, but God Almighty, like I, I dread to see the day because like he's just been, he's basically been my life for the last six years. Like, you wouldn't believe, like, you see, when my girlfriend found out he was only twenty five, she thought I was the biggest loser on earth because she's heard me talking about this guy for six years. Oh, it, it was the it was the age thing. It was the age thing that was the problem, was it? <laughs> I'm just holding up in this in this stature, like yeah. Brilliant. Now, uh, Tom, I want to come on to a, another topic, which I, like I don't feel like it's probably getting the the column inches that it probably deserves, and that's that's Manchester City, right? They they went twenty one wins in a row last night 28 games unbeaten it's an unbelievable achievement in any era incredible fantastic team when you kind of look at obviously you know the 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 quality of their squad their manager do you think they get the credit that they deserve and if not why do you think that is no I don't think they do get the credit they deserve and I think there is a little bit of media bias um surrounding Man City you know, you talk about what's happening with Liverpool now. People are ready to jump all, jump all over them when they're going through a bad spell. But when when they pipped Liverpool to the league and they did the treble that year, it was hardly talked about. It was like there was there was teams talking about Liverpool's achievement getting ninety eight points or yeah, sorry, ninety seven points and not winning the league. Then it was that City had, had done the treble. I thought that was a fantastic achievement. Absolutely ridiculous, you know. They, they get and we knocked them out the quarterfinals. 
was it was that that was that no, the, the same year, before. year? Was yeah, it? Yeah, before. Yeah. You know, their achievement was just sort of brushed under the carpet a little bit. And what they're doing this, what they're doing this season, and and they've hardly had the the main striker playing for them. You know, has been nothing short of phenomenal. But I think it's it's the Pep Guardiola effect. I think a lot of people are a little bit bitter and twisted over Pep. Um, but what he what this guy creates is just unbelievable. What do, what do you think it is, Gav? When you when you kind of look at this city side, I mean, you look at the the quality that they had on the bench there last night. Just to read out some names, right? They had Stones, Foden, Fernandinho, Gundogan, Aguero, Torres, Zinchenko, all on the bench. Do you think there's a little bit of snobbery or bitterness, like Tomo says, you know, to, to towards the the embarrassing level of riches that the club has? Um, and do you think that kind of works against them a little bit? Are a hundred percent us. You know, like, as much as we begrudge it, if Manchester United had that quality of squad, you just got Manchester United are, you know, you know, an institution and look what, you know, the, the, you've seen, you've seen them grow this from, from whatever amount of years ago. It's always going to get that, you know, you know, City 2008, I think they get taken over and, you know, we've seen since then the steady rise, um, and they win that first title in 2012, um, and they've won whatever it is, five since or whatever. Um, but, you know, it is a fantastic squad of players. There's no doubt about it, you know. And, and that's why I said earlier, I think only ourselves and them can do some sort of mad run where you literally go, like Liverpool last season, play 28, play 29, won 28, lost one, something like that, or drew one. Mm-hmm. Um, ridiculous, 79 points after, I think we, we dropped two points or something. It was mad, crazy after 27 games. But when you look at City... You know, they have achieved so much. And look, I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I do begrudge them a little bit. Um, simply because of the money that they've brought in and just the, the spending power they have. And, you know, it's just a case of throwing money, you know, the, the amount of money spent on fullbacks and centre backs and whatever else, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some players I love watching from them, like the likes of De Bruyne. Um, Marez, I love watching. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, and they have really, really good players. They've a really, really good squad. And, and, you know, the begrudgery, like Tom was right when when we didn't win the league in ninety seven. I think, I think people were, you know, looking at this, going, "This is just domination." Now, this, you know, this could, you know, we've seen United dominate in the in the nineties and part of the two thousands. You've seen Liverpool do it in the seventies and eighties. I think people, while being excited by City for so many years, just looked at them and this is domination. Now, this is going to be, um, you know, nonstop. And I think people kind of were hoping Liverpool would do it just to break what they thought would be a monotony but Liverpool deal with the next season and and you see what happens to us but with, with City you know regardless of where that money comes from they still have to go out and play football and, and they deal with brilliantly you know they're, they're 28 28 games in a row is that what you said without being beaten yeah um, 28 across, games unbeaten yeah across all, all competitions, competitions. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and, and you but know, they've, they've won the last 21 won yeah. the last 21 yeah straight oh, yeah. 21 in a row ridiculous yeah. Yeah, so, um, but look, don't get me wrong, um, a fantastic football team, but they're always going to have, it's not a shadow over them or a cloud it, it, over it them. It is a shadow, it is, yeah, it is a shadow. Yeah, maybe it's the, maybe it's the, maybe shadow is the right or wrong word, but they're always going to have that over them because no matter what, what they do, um, into this year or next year or the year after, people are always going to go back to, but look, you're only there because somebody came in and pumped two billion quid into it's, you. you. It's the financial fair play cloud. Yeah, yeah. 
have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. That's what it is, and you didn't um, do it organically. Now, I don't think there's anything on orga- organic and top, top level football anymore. It's just not. It's just money. But when you, when, when you see these top clubs all have big money, but when you go in, when that's, that's different level stuff. That's, that's a country backing you. You're always going to have that thrown back at you. But if you take it on face value of the football they're playing and watching them, yeah, they're, they're, they're brilliant. The, the, the two, my two favorite players watching this year is, uh, has been Grealish and Foden. Yeah, Foden is amazing. Two, oh, God. They play football like they're playing in the park, the pair of them. They do, do, do you know what I mean? Complete freedom. Ballers, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Colin, there's one thing that's come out the back of this this city kind of dominance, if you will. And uh, there's a lot of things in the in the, the newspapers and online at the moment that it's it's bad for football. Now I, the, the, the narrative being pushed there doesn't really make sense to me because when you when Man United were dominant, there was never any talk of it being bad for football. So What's changed? Is it purely like the lad said? Is it the money aspect? Because United have certainly spent a fair, fair. Uh, I think they've spent a billion um, uh, there or thereabouts. So they're certainly not penny pinching. <laughs> I always love looking at the figures that United have spent, and I always come back to the Ed Woodward needs to back the manager. I, <laughs> I have so much sympathy for Ed Woodward because all he's doing is actually trying to keep everybody happy and keep spending more and more money. Um, Obviously not doing an amazing job, but he spent a lot of money. But with City, you see, you boys talking about them there as well, and I, I know I'm feeling it now. Every time, every time I talk about City or think about City, there's always an element of who gives a fuck about City. Like I think that's the problem as well. It's like who cares? You know, like they're just. I know people talk about the the Eddie had and the crowd there and stuff, but if. If you had this club where I think that the, it, it meant more or it was obvious that it meant more to so many people, I think it's not as bad. Like, it, for instance, remember they were talking about this, the Saudis taking over Newcastle, and obviously the same with City. There's some terrible implications from that, like in terms of football, in terms of uh, in terms of wider things beyond football. But it's actually a bit of excitement when you think, "Oh, geez, like that—that that would be great for Newcastle, the city, and the, city the people, and the, yeah, and the yeah, fans, yeah. And, the, and that stadium." And you know, it would be bouncing with City. It's just—it always just feels a little empty. And, and maybe Pep Guardiola doesn't help that, but I think I looked at their bench from the weekend, and I think I added up something like something like two hundred, three hundred million plus Foden, who was homegrown and obviously you know unbelievable player, just sitting on the bench like everybody just. Waiting, they could, they, like, how often do we talk about Pep messing up everyone's fantasy football team? Because they can, like, it just doesn't affect them. Like, you know, you take those same injuries that Liverpool have, and City just have a surplus of superstars that they spent. Like, they're, they're something like, um, they're back four, like, not even the goalkeeper, they're, they're back up back four, cost 200 million. Like, that is ridiculous, carry on. So, I know United have spent a lot of money themselves and spent it worse, but. Because it's city, it's just always like, uh, yeah, like 
take it <laughs> off and give it to somebody better who matters to. <laughs> so so if i had to because there's two topics i want to finish on lads right if i had to kind of go around the room now you know te- leicester are struggling a little bit with injury they've dropped more points tonight everton i would say look kind of well equipped at this stage you know obviously manchester city are home and hosed um if you know if you had to go around the room now and kind of get everyone's uh predictions in terms of top four i'll come to you first gav Who's your money on at the moment? If you look at the the fixtures, because Liverpool have got a favourable fixture list, I think once they get Chelsea out of the way. Mm. Um, what's your who's your money on at the moment, and who do you think's the biggest threat to to Liverpool in terms of that top four race? Um, well, see, you're obviously home and holes, like you said. There's so many teams in there, Jamie. Like. You know, it's so hard to predict this season. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't. I, I don't know how many uh, how many people in the chat or how many people between the four of us do like uh, the pills every week or or try to predict six fixtures, even the result, not even the score, just the result and win um, at the end of the week because it's just insane what's going on. You know, as I said before, like there's one team in this league that are averaging over two points a game. That's that's ridiculous. Um, twenty seven games in, it's ridiculous, but. When I look at it, for Liverpool, Jota back is key. Fabinho back is key. Keita could be key. Coming back at the right time and 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 having some form and just bringing a freshness to what we're trying to do, I think is huge for Liverpool. You know, I, I think one of the major factors of this season is just just the amount of minutes in, in, in players' legs and how quickly they're having to do it. You know, every three days, I think it, it's been huge on them. Um, it's not just that it's on the that that's on the back of having a two week break, two week pre season rest. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's, it's it's it's, it's all culminated, hasn't it? Seen really. Um, um, at, the, at times, Liverpool this year have just looked a little bit mentally fatigued, not physically fatigued, just mentally fatigued. Hmm. Like you know, they look like they've had enough. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think I think that's why you've seen them drop points and lose games to teams that they should be at home because. That other side gets a little bit of a, 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 you know, a little bit of encouragement by seeing Liverpool. And Liverpool, not even physically, like Tomo says, mentally, you know, oh, we're going to have to go out and do this again. And mm. not, and, but I think those players coming in could be huge for Liverpool. I worry for Leicester. Um, I think the loss of Barnes is big. And they drawn tonight. I think their their injury record is. We're, I think they're second. In they're the second, table, yeah. They're second us. to us, yeah. But having said that, I think um, I seen something the other day. I think their their injury record is half of ours, but it's still significant, which is which is crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, you look at United. I don't think United are any good. I'm being honest. I don't think they're any good. Um, I, I think I think they're top heavy, and I think that's. I think that they've used that to their advantage. At, I think they're due a blip. Season. Say again. I think United are due a blip. I've been I, I waiting for them all season. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they might be. And, and like people say, you figure Liverpool out, do you stop them? I think teams might be starting to figure United out and sitting in a little bit more against them rather than trying to attack them and, and seeing them as vulnerable. Um, Chelsea are in a massive chance for me. Liverpool, Everton are definitely in there. I think Villa are still in there if they can put a couple of games together. Anyone puts a great couple of games, three or four games together and they're right in it. They're absolutely right in it. But if you were to ask me to pick a top four now... That's definitely what I did, mate. Yeah. City, City, <laughs> City, Liverpool, United, Chelsea. Oh, Liverpool second. Good man, Gaff. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Tomo? I'm going to go City, Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea. No one picking Everton. Colin, what about you? 
Tomu just knocked United in the top four there, which is oh, I just I just uh, I've been waiting for their blip all year because I just think they're shit. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I remember remember the the massive high that they got when they when they went to join top there earlier in the season when they won the league a few weeks ago. Yeah, I remember when doing they that. Bus at Anfield, that was just like <laughs> yeah. oh, God. Remember you know doing what? a podcast thinking am I am I overstepping it here? But I I, I just said put this on record they won't be within 10 points of the title and i thought i thought at the time liverpool will still come second because mm. I, I, 10 points at the time seemed like a big thing because city were still way back of all the games in hand yeah. but i just knew like that that was only four games of, of a blip for united and they're out of the title race and we knew that that would happen and it, it happened even quicker than i thought it would and city progressed even quicker than i, I hoped they would but um yeah i, I agree i think united are shit like I think Solskjaer shit. I think United's options are are incredible. I think they, they should be doing way better. Um, so I still think they'll come top four. I think their default is just like they're good enough to be top four. They'll beat teams when they when they should be beating them for the most part. And I think I actually agree with Gav. With Harvey Barnes out, James Madison always seemingly out. I think Leicester will struggle. So I think it'll be... Uh, I think Liverpool will come second as well, actually. And um, United and Chelsea, third and fourth. With Leicester just just missing out. Oh, lads, I'm loving this optimism tonight. Nice one. Absolutely buzzing off that. <laughs> there's there's one final topic, right? And while I've got a footballer on, I want to ask the question because it's been grinding my gears ever since it's become uh, a part of the, the modern game. So, Tomo, this idea that you touch somebody in the penalty box, just touch them, any contact now, and it started, and I haven't let it go. I'm not afraid to admit that. This Danny is, Welbeck. This is, this is Danny, Danny Welbeck. Welbeck. Yeah. I, can't, I can't let it go, Gav. I just can't oh, let see, it go. You thought I was bad with Tommy Tugel. <laughs> Strike <laughs> yourselves in, boys. I just, I can't let it go, right? Ever since that day, for me, football changed. D- Danny Welbeck, right? There was contact on him. Don't get me wrong. He took four steps, fell know. over, and got a penalty. That changed. And when that was given, that changed the landscape. Where, where do you sit on this, mate? Because for me, I, I think it's an absolute farce. Well, to, to be fair, I think um, there's been a few times as well when I've looked at Salah this year, who's gone down, you know, very easy. I'm sick of seeing players go down all over the place and fucking roll round on the floor. Do, do you blame them, though, if the, if the pens are being given for it? Yeah, I fucking do. I'm sick of it. You know what I mean? There's got to be some point where the lads have got to own up to themselves and say, you know what, that wasn't a pen. Stop fucking cheating. Yeah, you know, if someone's come in and smashed you, took uh, took you, and then the ball, and it's a penalty. But stop going down all the time. It's like it's almost now. You can't even physically just fucking touch someone. Yeah. It's absolutely obscene. What I'm sick of seeing as well. This is why I'm turning games off after an hour. Every time I look up from to the screen, there's a player on the on the pitch rolling round. It takes him two minutes to get up off, and it's not even a foul. But he's rolling round, he's rolling round. Whether he's going down to get a breather, I don't know. Then you come to the end of the game and it says three minutes injury time. When it should be, because the, the game stopped that much during the game. It should be 10 minutes injury time. Mm. And then you put your VAR on top of that. It should be 15 minutes. This is what I'm sick. I'm sick of watching football at the minute. Someone needs to, to, to get a grip. If these players are rolling round on the floor or feigning injury, feigning contact, when... You look at the replays. They've not even been touched. Sometimes they're holding the wrong leg. It's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm with you, you. I'm with you. You know what I mean? If, if if a player does go to VAR 
and it looks like he's not been touched or you know you can see that he's hardly been touched but he's rolling around on the floor he should get a yellow card for that so I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? And Conan, I'll come to you, mate, right? There was an instance, and I'm trying to think of the game now. I think it was Liverpool's last game, Sheffield United away, and Sadio Mane is through, not the ball passed. Guy comes over, clips him, and Sadio Mane stays on his feet. Now, it didn't matter because Liverpool were 2-0 up at the time. Now, off the back of what Tomo said, and I, I, know I agree with him, I don't want to see it. I, I, I don't think contact in the box should be a penalty. I, I think you're allowed to contact people. It doesn't mean it's a foul. In the same breath, playing devil's advocate here, Sadio Mane should have gone down for that there. Surely he didn't get any rewards for staying on his feet there, apart from people going, oh, fair play to Sadio Mane. But if that's 1-0 or 0-0, as a manager, surely you'll go mad if he doesn't go down. Yeah, it's (laughs) pretty... He should take trips off Grealish. Grealish knows perfectly how to draw in fouls. He's an expert at it. (laughs) Don't you dare, Jamie. (laughs) Sorry, mate. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's probably the the legacy now of people going down. Like what you're talking about, Grealish or like Laurenti for Leeds against Villa. There went down, and he rolled around, and it it looks terrible. So now the sight of somebody going down, and even even that that statement, somebody going down, it sounds it sounds weak. It sounds like you're cheating, you know. Whereas, yeah, the reality is sometimes you're fouled, and yeah, they are cheating. Like, but like not all the time. Like, you well. If if Sadio Mane stops there, for instance, if, it's, if, if stop. it stops you, if it stops you, but the thing is, the reason he didn't go down is because he knew he'd already kicked the fucking ball out. <laughs> so we knew it'd be embarrassing if he went down. The ball's already out the fucking goal kick. But like honestly, and like I, I know you were talking at the weekend, uh, and Gav was advocating for referees to be mic'd up. Like a lot of it just comes back to a referee doing his job. Like you would in an ideal world, a referee should still be able to say if that's a foul or not, whether or not the player's gone down. And then they then they wouldn't feel the need to have to go down. And then we wouldn't have an argument of you know. Do you whether know, do you know the other thing? Right. What I don't like is when they go to VAR. Why they don't show it in real time? You know, so there are, you, you can it's pick super up super slow you, you down can, version makes everything look worse. Down and then you can yeah. you, you can find the contact and then you know, oh, just show it in the real time. Don't show it in yeah. slow motion. Just show it in real time. But but it often just goes back to like again. There was an incident uh, tonight where Ollie Watkins should have had a foul, like, and he was just he was cleaned out of it. And one part of he's frustrated because VAR hasn't decided to look at it. But and then he realised, but hang on, why isn't the ref just fucking giving the foul? Because he's <laughs> leaving it now, just thinking, oh, you know, somebody else yeah, will look yeah. at it. <laughs> but there's so many other questions. It's like, they have to overrule. They have to, is it inside the box? You know, they have to come up with a few more reasons to come in, whereas the ref should just be able to decide. If well, what, is, what is your opinion about VAR then, Jamie? I despise it, mate. I absolutely despise it. Like, I, I just, I feel like, it draws all the emotion out of football and football without emotion is 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 dead for me. And I know that sounds very dramatic, but I'm a very dramatic person, mate. You, you may know that, especially if I've had a, a Guinness like I have here. But um, no, on a serious level, I just want to see it used for goal line technology. I think that there's absolutely has to be used for that. For serious foul play and for ridiculously obvious offsides that take a second to to realize if you start drawing lines on a screen i i, I don't i just don't want to see things for kneecaps and elbows um i just it, it's not it's not what yeah, but, i want to see in the ja- game but, ja- but jamie that's what you're seeing in england and this we, we spoke about this the incompetent the english refs it's not it's it's they're trying to do something different because they think they can watch if you watch if you watch 
I said this the other night. If you watch Liverpool against Leipzig next Wednesday or whatever day it is, right? And there's an offside decision. It'll come up on the screen. It'll show you two lines and it'll say he's offside and they move on. Right? They're not drawing lines. They're not having a game of spider graph. They're not doing anything like that. <laughs> they're literally just showing you two lines on the pitch and going, see the red one? It's beyond the yellow one. It's it's offside. Right? It's it's become a joke. Right? And someone's asked me in the chat, do you think Salah dives? Yes, I do. And I think loads of players dive. And Tom was right. It, it's actually stupid to watch at this stage. And where are they doing it? Because, and as someone else said in the chat, you have the likes of um, the former Danny referees Welbeck. on Sky. No, you have the former referee on Sky. Um, who's, the for- who's the fella on Sky? I know oh, Walton. bloody Peter Walton. Peter Walton's on BT. Everything. He's yeah. on BT. Yeah. But every, everything he says, they give the opposite decision, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then there's... Who was on Sky? Dermot Gallagher, isn't he? He's on Sky. Yeah. yeah, so you have that. And they're, and they're using terminology like, in today's game, it's a penalty. And I'm kind of going, well, hold on. Where do we... How do we get to this stage? Do you know how it stops, Jamie? Mane which goes through there. About, by the way? Yeah, but Man, Mane... Yeah, goes, show the English one. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, Both of them. Both of them. It doesn't matter. Um, but but the thing is, you know how this stops, Jamie? They have all them, all the facility there, right? That if Manny goes through and he gets clipped and he doesn't score and it goes out for a corner or it goes out for whatever it might be, that in his ear they say, listen, he didn't go down, but that's a penalty because he yeah. has been clipped and it has stopped him um, from getting to that ball quicker and maybe being able to put it past the keeper or whatever yeah. it might be. But if they've got to the stage now where you have... So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day to be theatrical to get a decision and they're all playing this game where they should be do you remember the one years ago where um, at Bramall Lane funnily enough Gerrard oh, in the Gerard. box right yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, there's a penalty given against uh, Neil Warnock was manager then wasn't he yeah there was the centre half um, I can't remember his name but he slides in he gets in the way Morgan. of Gerrard Gerard goes nearly Morgan. sure it's Morgan Chris Morgan yeah, yeah. yeah. and he gives a penalty and the reason behind it was no you didn't touch him but you got in his way. You stopped him from progressing yeah, with the yeah, ball, yeah. right? How was that? I, I know I thought it was a ridiculous decision at the time. But when you look now, players are literally feeling something on their shoulder and they're dro- dropping. They're feeling something in their back and they're dropping. They're feeling the slightest touch in their toe and they're dropping. So one common sense has gone completely over. Because look, Tomo played um, professional football at a really, really high level. And you know tackles go in. You know, you know guys get caught on the foot in the box, but then the ball and it's like... Look, you play with your mates down the field, and and that's never like, you're never giving her a pen for that. But so, that's so on that note, Gav, that's Tom, the way have the you ever dived? Tom, have you ever dived? Never dived. No. Bollocks! Never Come dived. on, you must have done. Honestly, you must have dived. dived. Never dived. Thousands that believe you, mate. I never <laughs> yeah, but, dived. But that, but that's the way it's gone, Jamie. It's 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 we're all playing a game now. We're all it's all theatrical. Uh, you, you have to play Here's a performance a to get a penalty. Istanbul. Yeah. Okay. Was it was it a penalty? Was it a pen? On generous. Or did Stevie make the most of it? Oh, Stevie made the most of it, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I'm glad he did. <laughs> Would that have been given if it had gone to VAR? 
Jesus. Oh well, I think it would have, but a hundred percent the way the things are gone. But I, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it kind of reverse on itself, where a player doesn't go down, gets stopped, and they just call it back, and they say, "No, that's a penalty. It's a penalty. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if he's hit the ground or not." He in. in that's a modern day penalty as much I, as I a fella jumping on the ground it, is a modern day penalty. If someone if someone's momentum's been stopped or been, you know, you have to check your feet because someone's made a little contact with you, that's a penalty. You don't, I, I'm, I, I, I know why the players are going down because they're getting a little bit of a little a little tap and they're trying to make it out like it's affected their momentum and then they're going down. Then it has to be checked. Because the players have gone down. But they also know it's that they're going to slow it down. Though. They're going to slow it down to 20%, zoom in on that and go, oh yeah, he's kicked them. It doesn't matter how yeah, hard yeah, it yeah. is. That they know this. They know now that everything is going to be looked at. Like the Welbeck one is... Don't gaff, please. No, but the Welbeck one is never a penalty, right? Because anybody, any normal same person watching that goes, look, he he, he clips the ball away. Robertson, Robertson throws in a, a swing and foot. That's fine. But if you watch where the ball goes and you watch... Welbeck after who takes about eight steps after and falls on the ground. You're like, this is this is stupid. But that's what it's down to. And if you watch it on the VAR screen, it's all about this is the contact. Forget where the ball's gone. Forget context. All context is gone now. It's all about he contacted him and that guy ended up on the ground. They're the two points they are they're looking for now. Everything else is immaterial. And that's that's what's ruining it for me. It's, it, it's a is, joke. It's I seen Pogba trip himself up and get a pen. Yeah, against against, against Villa. Villa, against Villa, wasn't it, Conan? What oh, did you make of that one, mate? <laughs> yeah, like do you know actually at the time I sort of what uh, Tom was saying there, where Douglas Louise, I thought he stepped across into Pogba's line of run, where Pogba would have clipped his his foot if yeah, he did yeah. move his foot. No, so did still, you think it was a pen? No, but I think I think Douglas Louise didn't help the situation. I think he, he lounged in when he didn't have to. And if Pogba had a kept running straight, I think it would have been a pen anyway. But Pogba tripped himself up looking for the pen. So it's probably the same the same dilemma that we're at. <laughs> what is what is football become, lads? I'm, I'm sorry to you all, right? I know we wanted to finish a quarter past eleven, and there's me bringing up VAR as the last yeah, topic. So I, I I apologize. Now before we wrap up, a couple of things to to shout out. So we are fast approaching 10k subscribers, which is a big big deal for us. Uh, Gav and the rest of the lads are putting an unbelievable effort to kind of get us where we are. Um, we are going to be doing a giveaway uh, at 10k. Um, and when we get to 9k we're going to be telling people what that giveaway is so if you haven't already please make sure that you subscribe tell your friends to subscribe uh, it's been going on for a while now but it's really starting to gather pace in terms of the, the chat and the community that we're building so please do uh, keep it coming as always the comments in the chat are fantastic and really do make the show so please tell any of your friends that aren't involved uh, to, to to come and get involved um, quick question actually Tomo that's come in there from Ant Dicko before we uh, we wrap up what was your best goal for Liverpool is a question that came in to throw a curveball at you before we wrap up we, we obviously we, we my best goal was against Sheffield Wednesday, but the the one I enjoyed most was the the winner against Chelsea Cop End. Oh yeah, we we, we won one nil. Yeah. I had to wrestle Songi out the way to get it. It was only <laughs> like two yards out. That's a wrestle Songi out the way. I think but... I remember you. You give it. You, you kind of lost yourself in the celebration yeah, there, didn't was, you, mate? Uh, I don't even know why I was in the box because it was a free kick, and normally you know I wouldn't go in the box. But Steve Staunton put in a great ball. Caused all sorts of mayhem, and it just dropped to me on the six-yard box. And uh, what was so, your first oh, goal? What was your first goal for Liverpool? Was it Palace in ninety? Crystal Palace, yeah. I was Crystal at that. Palace. 
Yeah, was that the... Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking back <laughs> now. Um, because Palace, uh, and the only reason I remember it is because Palace had Lombardo in the team at the time. And he did. I was in the upper centenary near the Anfield Road end, and the Palace fans were all doing that, you know, calm down, calm down stuff. Um, but it was around the time of Hillsborough, the Hillsborough Memorial, and they, and they were brilliant, the, the Palace fans, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but Liverpool were singing going down, going down at Palace, and they were singing back, so are we, so are we. Um, <laughs> but the Palace fans were brilliant that day. But I, um, I think I think Leonardson scores that day, and you scored at the cup. Yeah, I think Le- Leo, they went 1 0 up. Leo equalised, and then they brought me on. But I, um, I, I had a broken foot or broken bone in my foot that day because I had an injection just to get on the bench. But mm. by the time I'd come on, the injection had wore off. So I was in agony. I was in absolute agony, but Maka went down the wing, swung across it, and managed to get my foot on the end of it. And obviously, you don't feel it with the adrenaline, and the, the, you know the, the, you get caught up in the moment. But about two minutes after that, you know, when the adrenaline's left your system a little bit, yeah, I couldn't move. I think they subbed me. They subbed the sub. It was like <laughs> a <laughs> your legs have gone to jelly. <laughs> just got the winner to get us back in the Champions League position. <laughs> your legs have gone to jelly like me after oh, a night out. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've actually started something now. There's a couple more questions that we'll finish. Sorry, and then we'll I'll let you go to bed, lads. Uh Master of Disaster, best player you played with. I think I know the answer to this one, but go on, who's the best player you played with? Me? Yeah, yeah. you mate. Oh, I don't uh, think they're gonna be asking us, pal. <laughs> Listen, obviously, you know, you've got um I was very fortunate to play with uh, Michael Owen and, and Stephen Gerrard, but they were very young at the time. They went on to have these amazing careers. But the, I would say the best player I played with was Maka. I, yeah. I, I just thought, and I, I think a lot of players would, would, would tell you at that time, 95, 96, 97, how good Steve McManaman actually was. Um, Liverpool built a team around him and then allowed him to, to run his contract down, which was just abs- absurd, really. And then, it took us a while to recover after he left, and and actually when he left, you know what he what he did to go over to to blend into Madrid and become take part on the culture, of the, yeah, the Black culture. Coast, yeah. You know, is uh, not only did he take on the it, it, when he steps off a plane in Madrid, Stevie Mack is just he's worshipped over there, and uh, he was a pleasure to play with. And I think I nearly tackled him once in training. I nearly tackled him. I nearly never tackled him. Yeah. <laughs> But his yeah, energy, does, his speed, his pace, you know, he, I think, let's have it right, if Maka could finish just maybe half as good as God, you know, he would have been probably one of the best players ever to have graced a football pitch. Well, but he, he, st- he scored stunning goals, though. That was he the thing. But he you know, missed so many chances. Yeah, he, he did. He would dribble he through did. half the team. He dribbled through half the team. He gets I to didn't the edge put of it wide. <laughs> yeah. but, but he wouldn't be bothered because he'd know he'd do it again in five minutes. Yeah, know, because like, if you think back, like he, scored, he scores that winner at Highbury against Arsenal. Um, he scores two unbelievable goals away at Newcastle. Two unbelievable well, goals. The, game, the, the goal in the, against Celtic up at, uh, and, and yeah, Villa. Yeah. Villa, he did one. I think it was the, sorry, Conan, to to do that to you, mate. But he did one at Villa. I think it was the week after uh, at Anfield again. Another amazy run, and then he hits it across the keeper. Yeah, but if you Some get it, player. I always remember the ones away in Newcastle. One is a volley coming towards him and he smashes it. Um, two brilliant goals he scores at, 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 um, up at Newcastle that time. And the one at Celtic Park, his last minute stuff, it was unbelievable. He was a brilliant player, an absolutely his brilliant fitness, he, he did. That was one thing he had as well. He, he, was, he If you look at his shape, he was an endurance runner anyway. But he had speed to go with it and he yeah. could glide. 
he could slow the game down, he could speed it up. But uh, some of the goals he scored were absolutely amazing, you know. It's uh, but most of the time when he he, he dribble past everyone, get up there and then just lollipop it. That would be the most frustrating thing. <laughs> but he was an amazing player. Yeah. Now, lads, I'm going to wrap up because we're now at half eleven, uh, and we've we've all got homes to go to, and probably in the doghouse downstairs because it was meant to be finished twenty minutes ago. So, um, before we wrap up, um, Conan, t- uh, tell everybody a little bit about the podcast where they can find it. Um, I've listened to it myself, even as a, a Liverpool fan. It's a fantastic podcast. Where can they find it, mate? When are the shows released? Um, for all the the Villa fans that are tuned into LFC Day Trippers, you can find it on uh, the Villa podcast. Well, it's um on every every good podcast app, and it's just out after every Villa game, really. And it's actually more pop- popular when Villa lose because, uh, just it's because we record straight after the game. It's often just uh, I don't remember the podcast. You know that's how that's how worrying it is sometimes. Because it's like, oh Jesus, what have we just said? So. I'm worried that we're venturing into Arsenal fan TV territory, but um, <laughs> but it's good, yeah. And we'd like plenty of uh, slagging for Solskjaer and United on the podcast as well, if you do want to tune in. We're People will in. definitely tune in for that, mate. Uh, finally, shout out to footballprizes.co.uk. Don't forget they have the signed and framed Sadio Mane shirts with the four mounted medals. 7.45 to enter, 99 tickets available, and I think the offer ends next Wednesday. Um, Gav, quick one from you. What's coming up for the rest of the week? Uh, tomorrow is the match reaction. Um, Keith, Keith, Avi, Pete, and Grizz, and Friday. Chris Brack is back with the Friday forecast, looking at the Premier League weekend. And again, Avi is. I think Avi. I think he's on community service or something. He's on every night this week. Um, but um, Avi, Avi. Um, Oscar from All Leeds TV Matt from the Tottenham blog and of course Chris your host and then of course Sunday will start the week again the Fatback 4 Fantastic Tomo thanks thanks for coming mate hopefully you'll come on again with us yeah It's been a pleasure mate love it Fantastic Right with that that's enough from us that's two shows three hours of live content as always thank you all for the support and your comments in the chats we really do appreciate it look after yourselves stay safe and well and we will be back with you next week on the Midweek Fix all the best So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself For real the deals are so good I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies. Making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Sports Social Podcast Network.